Dear Cacao, as you keep filling me with a love for life, you are helping me to revel and wonder in the interconnectedness of it all and find my duty as a guardian for the sacred expression of all life everywhere. I see the same awareness rippling through my community too as they work with your medicine. For you keep answering our prayers and healing our hurts with even more love for life. That gives me the most hope I've felt in years, because when together we begin honoring and embodying the life force within ourselves, we also experience the reflection of life thriving around us. So I am grateful that in this time of great change, you leave me with shiny eyes, streaks of brown on my lips, and a voice singing in the praise of cacao, already looking forward to the next cup. Love, Yona. Welcome to the Raw and Wild Hearts, a place where the raw, the unfiltered, the wild hearts gather to celebrate triumphs and hardships, learn from each other, grow together, and break down a culture rooted in fear. We will talk, we will laugh, and we will lean on each other about everyday life experiences that we could all use a little support through, and then we'll bask in the wild, magical beings that we are. My philosophy is that by embracing the dark, we may just let in the light. I am your host, Lori Rising, healer, educator, writer, adventurer, retreat leader, birth defender, and animal enthusiast and activist, along with my wild heart sidekick kitty, Jesus the Brave. We'd like to invite you to get excited about the wild heart revolution. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. It's called The Interconnectedness of It All Through the Lens of Cacao with Jonas Ketela. Woo! It's the season two finale, y'all. Yes, I cannot believe we're here. And it's all really right on par. Spirit has provided me the reminder that it's time to take a little break. Maybe you've noticed this episode is coming out mm, a couple of days late. Yep, life has definitely happened, and out here in van life, life happens in a pretty raw way. So I had to shift out of the time constrictions and scarcity yet again to remember that all those beautiful hearts out there looking and searching for this message will not drop me for taking care of myself, but in fact will applaud me for heeding the burnout call. And maybe they'll even adopt more of this philosophy into their life as well. But do absolutely make sure to hit that subscribe button so that you're alerted when season three drops around mid to late September. I have some really exciting guests and ideas in the works, and one of them involves my first ever live show. Boo, yeah. And I'm definitely hoping to have my cup filled again to start a beautiful, new, exciting season with y'all. I'm so grateful that you're here and continuing on this raw and wild ride with me. If I've learned anything while working my arse off to build this online business, it's that two things really matter. People like you sharing these messages organically with your communities, and then there's the algorithm. So if you feel like celebrating the completion of the second season of this My Heart Centered Call and podcast, which I will say has almost not happened more than once, consider picking your favorite episode and sharing it with your entire community. Just hit the share button, paste it in, and off it goes. 
You never know how that might absolutely change someone's moment and life. Or even taking a few minutes right now to hit the star rating and post a review for us. It definitely helps these beautiful exchanges with bomb guests to reach more ears. But as for today's episode, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this may be one of the most important conversations you've ever tuned into, no matter where you are on the cacao spectrum. This exchange goes deeply into how we actually create real change in consumerism, capitalism, and our individual lives. Do you know where your food comes from, the lands that are impacted, the harm or health it is created in its environment, the indigenous communities or farmers it does or doesn't support, the nutrients it provides in its whole form or how it's been manipulated or deprived? Even ways to create miracles in your own life, how there might be a more effective way to encourage large-scale climate reform, Jonas and I get into conscious consumption, value systems in business, cacao plant medicine, history, production, and consumerism, climate change through consciousness, reverence for all things life, storytelling, ancestral wisdom, and creating miracles. Honestly, we cover some great life bullet points that may just be the key to our desperately needed pivot and ultimate healing. We also have an exchange I've been craving about ceremony, the possibility of cultural exploitation, and the importance of gathering in prayer and intention. We think we can talk our way out of climate change. We can scare people into the big shifts we need. But spoiler alert, that never works. And sometimes I forget to apply it to all the things. We can share articles and posts on social media, but that's not what speaks to people in their gut, in their spirit, in their heart. When we engage in the scarcity and fear model, we do not trigger empathy and care. We trigger tension and sometimes defensiveness. To reach people in their heart, not their head, we have to reach their spirit. And maybe by sharing our practice one by one, by creating miracles and offering that energy to the collective, by feeling the power of intention and ritual, we get there a heck of a lot quicker than the age-old, I'm right, you're wrong rhetoric that's not been working for all these years. Oh, and real quick, I want to correct my Midwest accent that kicked in when saying Jonas's name. It's actually Jonas, not Jonas, but I've definitely got it down now. And what a rad name at that. Jonas Ketela. Okay, so to fit in perfectly with plant medicine support is today's sponsor. Drum roll. It's me. It's me. Yes, the time has come. The energy arrived to create my most powerful meditation and hypnotherapy track to date. I'll tell you that personally, I feel profound shifts every time I push play and spend intentional time on being the creator of my experience, the supporter of my wellness, and the imagination of my possibilities. Spiritual health and practice is just that. It's a practice. It works for us when we work for it. We can achieve greatness and miracles when we create the space to actively dismantle the harmful programming that has dimmed our light and created dis-ease throughout our lives. I made something for you if you just don't even know where to begin, as well as something that is a magnificent tool to add to an already robust practice. The more we know, 
The more we do, the deeper we drop in. So this 30-minute guided meditation is designed to support you in remembering, reactivating, and reigniting your innate healing potential, intuitive wisdom, and source energy within your cells. It's an intentional guide into a flow state where you have the power to access your birthright of creation energy and powerful light codes within your cells. All for 10 bucks. Yes, 10 bucks to elevate, align, and deepen your practice into this human experience in magnificent ways just by pushing a button and being intentional and available, babes. And yes, I definitely agree. You should share the link below far and wide. Your cousin is going to get on the horn and thank you for it immediately. This is how we develop light ripples in the seeming chaos around us. We tune in, we tap in, and we share. Okay, on to today's episode. Jonas Ketela crafts unsweetened ceremonial grade cacao that is used in cacao ceremonies around the world. It all began in a Zapotec town in Oaxaca, Mexico, with strong chocolate traditions on one afternoon of making chocolate the traditional way. Open fire roasted, hand peeled within sight of their sacred mountain, and stone ground with a molino. He also regularly teaches how to stone grind fresh cacao paste from the bean using a traditional metate. Jonas founded the Bean to Bar Dark Chocolate Company Firefly Chocolate in 2014 with the mission of inspiring awe and wonder through cacao. He is a mechanical engineering graduate from Stanford University, and his engineering know-how keeps all the tools running at Firefly. Always with a focus on health, he initially launched 85% dark chocolate in a variety of flavors and sweetened with low-glycemic coconut sugar. He studied permaculture and native awareness at the Regenerative Design Institute and has lived in eco-villages and cooperative houses for the majority of the last 10 years. Please welcome Jonas Ketela. Hello, Jonas. Thank you for joining the Wild Heart Revolution. Hello. So happy to be here. Oh, mm. I've been like for 24 hours just giddy about this conversation because I knew it was coming. So I'm very excited. But I do like to start with a toast or a prayer to the wild heart warriors in our light, especially our dark, and in all of our magic and glory. May we continue to elevate consciousness through honesty, humor, humility, gentle care, soul-wrenching growth, and ownership, and to us and to the reclamation of our sacred interconnectedness of it all. Beautiful. Cheers. I have my cacao, so it's perfect for this conversation for the lead-in. So Jonas, I found you through a Google search of ceremonial cacao and took the deep dive into your profound website. Like, I don't, I don't even want to call it a website because I feel like it's a place of interconnectedness. And I feel like you have conveyed this message and this feeling like this embodiment of it through technology, which I think is so incredible. And it was like your passion for education and knowledge and reverence for cultural and ancestral wisdom and so much that drew me in. And then I found your cacao ceremonies, which was so amazing. I actually have one of your facilitators on my, uh, Jocelyn Gordon. Oh, good. Yeah. And it was amazing. So 
I am a huge fan. Yesterday, I listened to podcast after podcast of you and what you're doing and putting out into the world. And it just like sets my heart on fire. So let's start with you. (laughs) Let's start with you and your journey here and your own personal celebration into cacao and understanding of it and kind of what brought you to bringing it out into the world in the way that you do. Mm. Oh, thank you. Those are such nice things you said. <laughs> good, good fuel for more motivation and, and getting, the, getting the good message out there. Well, I came across cacao in 2012 when I was traveling in Oaxaca, Mexico. It was, you would say, a chance encounter. I, I didn't plan to meet it the way that I did, um, but uh, I was staying with the Zapotec family. Um, they're actually master weavers. Um, in this whole town, they specialize in weaving tradition. It's quite amazing. They build the looms from scratch, you know, these intricate designs by memory. They dye their own yarns and such. Um, and that was what initially uh, drew my partner and I at the time then to that town. Um, and then we got introduced to uh, the, the woman's mother, uh, a grandmother, um, who uh, had such a passion for life and as she was showing us around her compound she asked have you ever had cacao before um have you ever made it and we said no and she actually already knew the answer she was like already on her way to the pantry to grab the beans it was this kind of a rhetorical question and it just really opened my eyes that i had eaten chocolate my whole life and had never touched a cacao bean i'd never even thought about how it was made you know I was like, I couldn't believe how disconnected I was from one of the things that I loved the most, chocolate. And then the experience of making it the traditional way and and spending hours with it, roasting and shelling it while telling stories. It just like brought such a beautiful, deep connection. And the cacao, even though it was made using very primitive methods, there was like this essence and quality to it that was unlike any cacao I'd ever had before. Um, we made a honey sweetened cacao paste at that time, like probably a few kilograms of it. And then we just like took this mush of chocolate in a plastic bag and took it with us for the rest of our travels um, and shared it with everybody. And everybody's like, where'd you get this? <laughs> we made it. <laughs> so that really planted the seed for like, is there some way that I can share the, like, the quality and the authenticity of this connection with cacao? Uh, to people back home in the West because it, it was unlike anything I had experienced before and it was just really exciting to me and I was really curious about it. So yeah. that, that was kind of the beginning of the rabbit hole. Yeah, I want to just point out, I feel like, you know, and I know that you know this, but it's because of the primitive process, you know, where we're a conscious creator and a conscious consumer that brings such a connection to, you know, the chocolate is us, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like we are such a part of this earth and planet and, and energy that like, we can always bring it back to it's tapping into our own source energy. When we go through such a beautiful unfolding and process with what we consume by being aware and having knowledge about it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So much, so much. Yes. To that. We use a lot of technology in how we make cacao today. Um, but there's something about getting down to the essential process and stripping away all the technology that you can like really commune with it and learn about it because all that technology is, is, is useful, um, but it can also get in the way of things. And I think that's kind of what happened to chocolate making in, in 
Europe and in, in modern US and to just like grip it back to the roots is also a really empowering process to just be like, wow, I can make chocolate with my own hands from scratch, you know, from the beans off of the tree. Like that's really cool. And it's actually still probably the favorite workshop that I teach is primitive stone ground chocolate making. Um, and, and they do this with, you know, many dozens of, uh, it's usually kids workshops. So, so we'll have like four dozen kids all together peeling cacao beans, talking about all the process and then doing the stone, stone ground taste and, and kind of getting that connection and like the aromas that happen when you're grinding the chocolate. It's, it's, it's unlike anything else. Right. When we're engaging our senses, that's really how, you know, where life is enlivened within us, where it's like turned on and tuned in. Right. Um, yeah. When you say that it takes me back. Um, I was in Costa Rica three or four years ago and I went through a chocolate making process with somebody. Um, and even before that, we just went for a walk in the forest and pulled up turmeric and then, um, grabbed some cacao beans. And I was like, they're white. Oh my gosh. I never knew opened up a star fruit and started eating it. And I'm like, this land is so rich. It's so fertile. Like everything is right here at your fingertips. And then working with the person that traditionally made the chocolate, everyone else kind of fell by the wayside. And I was like, at attention. I was so involved in the process. And then you're right. Like putting it in wrappers and carrying around chocolate and plastic wrap. (laughs) That was, it's pretty wild when you actually get down to the heart of something. And I think that there's a lot to be said here across the board about our food consumption. I know that you're really passionate about advocating for that. Is there anything else that you wanted to share in that realm? Yeah, you, you, you said it exactly right. Uh, cacao and chocolate is like a microcosm of a lot of our food systems. And, you know, unfortunately, we've become quite disconnected from a lot of our food sources. That's why you see farmers markets and, and kind of a whole local food movement. But that hasn't really extended in the same way to uh, tropical goods that we still, you know, consume, transport internationally. And I think cacao is really kind of is leading the way on that one. Um, you know, to some extent, it's also happened in coffee, I would say. But, um, you know, with the with tropical goods, you know, you get into 500 years of history of colonialism, of exploitation. It's pretty disgusting stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of uh, our tropical goods that we consume today, they still haven't really graduated from that same old model. Um, like, you know, the companies, the governments that benefited from doing that are still benefiting from the very same model. I kind of call it like a colonial dinosaur um, that we're still really plugged into and really supporting uh, every time we go out and buy a chocolate bar, that kind of thing. So um, I think it's an incredible opportunity to make connections, to, to bridge across continents, you know, human farmer to human consumer, human lover of chocolate. You know, there's, there's humans on both ends and um, somehow the systems that we've designed in between to intermediate between them really aren't serving either of those people at either end. Um, and so once, once we recognize that at both ends, that's when we can start towards working a bridge and, and designing that system differently. And that's what we've had to do with our cacao sourcing is basically create a completely different supply chain outside of the commodity cacao supply chain. So typically, a farmer produces a kilo of cacao, they sell it to anybody, 
um, who will buy it because that'll all just go into the commodity market. There's big contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't value quality. It doesn't value connection. It doesn't value positive ecosystem outcomes. Um, there's a lot of things that aren't built into that pricing model that should be. Um, and so we've, we've just opted to completely bypass that, make the direct connections to farming communities and develop a robust supply chain of our own and with other chocolate makers who are interested in more social impact. Um, and, you know, I think I, I see that kind of system, you know, replacing commodity cacao. Um, I don't think the commodity cacao, the way that it is right now, uh, stands a chance once people really start looking at their value systems and lining up their purchases with it. Um, they might try to change it, you know, and, but I, I would argue that the degree of quality that, that we find in our system is just, yeah, it's, you can't beat it. I love that you are so optimistic about systems moving that way. Cause that, I actually wrote that down to talk about it because you have such a beautiful website. I'm just, I'm really y'all if <laughs> get to this website, there is, you'll spend hours there. I was just reading about decolonizing cacao and you deliver it in such a tangible way that I feel like is welcoming. And unfortunately, you know, as we are looking at these social systems that need so much dismantling and reform, there can be a level of defensiveness in some humans that I feel like it's important that we find ways to get to the heart and humanity within them to look at the systems and just own up to it. Right. And so you actually talk about that on that page and I love it so so I just like big hearts all over the place for that. And so I wanted to ask you, as cacao grows, as it becomes trending, is there a big risk of overharvestation or exploitation resurging? If we're starting to come down from that and get back to the origins and quality, I get worried when, you know, we get it on such a large scale, like what's that going to look like with the 1% coming in and snatching things up? Right. Yeah, I'll start with, I put that on the website just because I want to be having that conversation. You know, we're, we're already having that conversation. So I just want to like push it out into the public more and, and encourage people to think about it. And it is a very, very confronting topic. I mean, I, when I was a relatively younger chocolate maker than I am now, like half, half the chocolate making years under my belt, um, I remember being down in Belize and being with, um, I, I was actually with a, a group doing an audit for an investor. Um, that was looking at the supply chain and asking all the hard questions because they were a social impact investor. And so they were less concerned about the dollar numbers and really curious about like, how is this actually having the positive impact that you say it is and how can you verify it and prove it? And um, it was one of the most like hard hitting audits I've ever been a part of um, just because of, of the rigorousness. And then, you know, after a full day of audit, we would go to a restaurant and discuss these books that we were reading um, about the 500 years of colonial history. And it was, it was just devastating, you know, and it's not just cacao, it's every single crop through these stories. Um, and it just makes you see the work that you're doing down there with a completely different eye, you know? People are like, ooh, social impact. You know, even for me, like we're paying our farmers easily double um, what they might otherwise receive on the commodity market. And that, that varies country by country, you know? Some, some countries, the purchasing power is so depressed that they might get triple. Um, and so, um, but you know, all those numbers to me, they're not enough and they can never be enough because they can't repair 500 years of oppression. Like we can't, we just can't repair it. Like 
we can be responsible and, and kind of do the right thing given current market conditions. We've actually tried paying too much for cacao, um, but that kind of creates chaos of its all of its own right when people start cutting down other trees to plant cacao trees, you know, it just becomes another mad money grab and, and creates a boom in the market and things like that. So that's it's actually not a good strategy. So to me, the right strategy is is paying the best price possible for cacao given the given the circumstances and the context. Um, but then also doing the work and acknowledging all the other aspects that go into fundamentally rebuilding respect in the supply chain, right? And and um, having it not just be about the transaction, but having it be about the ceremony and the ecosystem and the connection, the cultural exchange that's possible there. There's so much more that's possible when two cultures meet, especially you know coming from different nations and completely different cultural backgrounds. Like, the, the travel to origin is one of the parts that I most value about our trips. And, you know, it's, I, I'm always met with funny eyes at first when I'm like, hey, I want to stay here for like 10 days, you know? And they're like, wait, the other chocolate maker only wants to like stay here for like a day, you know, like do the quick tour in and out. And they're like, what are we going to do with you? I'm like, well, just put me in the back of the truck. I'll come along with whatever you do. And, and that's where the real stories come from, right? And that's, that's where you... You make friendships, you you make the connections, you really understand to a deeper level the context. Like it's it's kind of like a sit spot practice. You kind of have to go and, and stay and take take days to build up trust so that then the answers to some of the deeper questions will come out. Um so yeah, in terms of in terms of supply chain and and cacao shortages, you know, I'm actually about to publish an article about how fear of global warming or, or actually very real global warming impacts on cacao growing, particularly in Africa, where a lot of the commodity cacao is grown in, in, uh, in Western Africa, I should say, in Ghana and Ivory Coast, um, is being manipulated to make people scared of global cacao shortages so that then people support genetic engineering of the cacao trees to be climate change resistant. It's like mm. a very serious thing happening right now. Um, and the thing is, if you didn't plant the cacao in unsustainable ways on these massive plantations where they're very disease susceptible and grew them in a polyculture forest ecosystem, um, you wouldn't have to genetic engineer it, you know? And um, that's really what we're seeing is that the unsustainable way of growing cacao is becoming increasingly threatened um with global warming and to a lesser degree you know all all tropical ecosystems are facing critical threat right now you, you look at the um land area loss of the amazon right now it's, it's really devastating um and that actually is a hot spot for biodiversity for cacao so we're losing some resilience and kind of the genetic reservoir of cacao long term um but there's a lot of resilience in cacao too and grown on grown on small farms um, as part of intact rainforest ecosystems. Um, cacao, cacao farming is actually one of, can be one of the best human activities that's a buffer for protecting intact rainforest ecosystems because um, you can grow cacao and it's kind of a transition zone to um, fully protected forest that doesn't have any human activity. Um, and, and those transition zones between fully protected areas and human activity are really, really important. Um, and, you know, by giving people a good livelihood to do that, then they have a vested interest in the thriving of the rainforest. Um, and so that, I actually see 
see cacao as as one of the best opportunities that we have for protecting tropical rainforest ecosystems by and it's because it gives people a good livelihood to harvest a crop that is not harming um the ecosystem when it's planted in a polyculture and and not on these unsustainable plantations so i actually think there's there's a ton of regions that need that a lot of small farmers who need good jobs a lot of people who want to do something positive with the ecosystem locally um, so I don't think there's any risk of cacao shortage. Definitely not from ceremonial cacao. Ceremonial cacao is still a drop in the bucket compared to global chocolate demand. And by the and if we're able to grow it responsibly in the way that I've seen, um, it'll it'll start setting a totally new standard for cacao growing. Um, that you know I think is inherently regenerative. Hopefully, it'll actually contribute to ecosystem comeback um, and, and resilience of communities rather than causing the degradation in those. I think that's part of also why we're very, very adamant about putting our voice out there and being very, very clear on what our values are, because I think, you know, like many good things, the word ceremonial can be misappropriated and can be used for some capitalists and, and more exploitation. Um, and we've seen stuff out there labeled ceremonial yeah, that absolutely should not be, you know, so that's that's why we're really trying to uh, put our name out there and, and explain how things work. Um, first of all, Mama Earth is so blessed to have you as one of her stewards. Uh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. It just it gives me all the hope in the world when I get to connect with a heart like yours. And especially when you're out creating this business and the buzz and the knowledge about what it is you're harvesting. I'm just so down with it. So let's just chat real quick about what cacao is and what it isn't. Mm, great. So cacao is a plant spirit that is very easy to access compared to many plant spirits just because she's very, very talkative. She's very playful. She's also delicious tasting. Um, just like a very, very fun loving spirit. So if if you're at all interested in, in kind of connecting with plant spirits as a whole, cacao is, is one of the most accessible mediums available um, for that. Um, I would say one of the fundamental teachings of cacao is about gratitude and, and about using, activating gratitude in, in your own being with your words and thoughts um, and communities. Um, in order to resonate at the same frequency as the plants do. And that's where you can have truly extraordinary outcomes um, because you're, you're communicating with them in the same language that they communicated. Um, the, one of the most profound things the teacher has ever said to me is gratitude is the words that come before all else. And this was, this was an explanation for an experience I had where I think it was a three hour long meeting and it was two hours of gratitude before the hour meeting. And I didn't know that this was going to be the case. And my Western mindset just wanted to get things done. And instead we launched into long storytelling and gratitude. What is this? But that sentence said it all because the degree of outcome and, and, and the harmony that happened after everybody was synchronized just by getting on the same page and connecting to gratitude, it created so much ease. <clears throat> and the same, the same happens working with, <coughs> sorry, uh, the same happens working with a plant. Like 
and especially with cacao, when you drop into that place of gratitude, like miracles can happen. The intentions that you set, the things that you ask for help with, um, they're just amplified a million fold. And I've been surprised again and again at the outcomes that happen from a simple intention setting ritual with cacao or, or asking it for help as I'm drinking my cup. And like it, it can be within hours um, or within weeks or months for like really or shifting big changes. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of, you're aligning yourself with this very, very ancient plant spirit that's here to help. You know, that, that's the other real big thing about it is, is cacao, um, unlike some of the other plant spirits, it's very collaborative. It won't take you on a journey without your permission, you know, compared to other psychedelics. Like it's really up to you, how you come to it, what intention and desire you come to, to collaborate with it. Um, and it and it is very much here to help. Um, there's a lot of ancient stories um, that talk about cacao leaving the rainforest and and working with humans during times of great ecological imbalance to to help them come back into harmony and and, and kind of shift the way that they're doing things to be in more connection with the whole and all of life on the planet. And I mean, as you can see, the way that interest in ceremonial cacao is blowing up right now um you know it's it's a really positive sign that this plant spirit is back out here to help us in a really big way because we really need it right now i mean yeah i feel like it's such a catalyst in embodiment right because it's the the superfood just what it does for us biologically and then we pair that with intention and ritual you know and then it brings us into this entire holistic experience um that can be wildly profound right and like you said where you're at in your level of intention and presence with it will actually shift your experience. I love that you said that in one of your podcast interviews, when you called it a playful plant, I just smiled. And I was like, yeah. that feels awesome. Of course, uh, you know, and how you said it's a, an adaptogen, you know, it adapts with your experience. I can tell you just because you mentioned like how it pairs with your human experience. Right. So, um, you know, what we're most used to in terms of stimulants is caffeine, which is a nervous system stimulant. But cacao has theobromine among many hundreds of other compounds in it. And theobromine is a cardiac stimulant. So it really, it really kind of creates that embodied activation, you know, of your whole system. Because what happens with a cardiac stimulant that also relaxes your blood vessels is you're moving about 30% more blood through your entire system. So it's better oxygenation to everything. It's better on mineral and other superfood transport. Um, it also flushes stagnancy out, right? And so it's, and so it's this heart-centered activation of your body um, that can set so many good things in motion. Um, and people get hung up on it being a stimulant. And that's kind of where, you know, this is a plant spirit. It's really sophisticated. It, it has hundreds of compounds in it. Like you might get a stimulant effect from it most of the time, but it can also put you to sleep really easily. So it, it, it has a pretty varied toolbox in terms of giving you what, what you actually need. Um, and, you know, some people might never experience the stimulant aspect and, um, and always use it to help them go to sleep, actually. We've just seen such a wide variety of ways that people use it because it is so versatile. Um, and, and really, depending on your intention and what you draw out with it, it can, it can act in a lot of different ways. 
Right. And well, with so many different types of um, nutrients that are transported through it, your body will take what your body needs more. And then it's going to actually affect that health system, which is fucking amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just talk about how cacao is the origin of chocolate, right? But things have veered off since then. So it's not the same thing. Like if people are thinking about chocolate, cacao is not the same thing, but it's the origins. Like, can you explain that a little better for people who maybe haven't had cacao before? Yeah. Yeah. We'll do just the like real quick history lesson of of where cacao even comes from. Right. So cacao is actually referring to the cacao tree, um, which grows in the upper Amazon. That's kind of the genetic reservoir that I was alluding to. Um, And initially humans probably related with it as a tropical fruit. Um, So they split open the cacao pod inside there's 30 to 50 seeds and they're covered in this sweet, sticky pulp. Um, And I mean, if you're at all attracted to sugar, like most primates, you stick that seed in your mouth, you suck off the pulp and you spit out the seed because it's bitter tasting. Um, So, you know, humans started probably selecting cacao pods that had more of this sweet, sticky fruit in it than others and kind of selectively cultivating and and favoring the cacao tree so that they produce pods that were sweeter um, with more fruit over time. And then at some point, people figured out that you could ferment that sweet pulp into alcohol. And so quite likely the first consumption of a cacao drink was actually cacao alcohol. Um, and that, you know, people love alcohol. So that just <laughs> propelled the importance of the cacao tree in, in like ancient South America for humans. And so the relationship only deepened. They kept favoring sweeter fruit with more sugar. And at some point, somebody discovered that if you left that, if you left the, the cacao beans in there and went through that same alcohol fermentation process, um, those beans actually started tasting good. They no longer tasted bitter like seeds, but they you began getting the precursors of the chocolate flavor. And that's where the relationship between cacao and humans really took off. And, and cacao became one of the most important trees um, in, in Central and South American cultures. Um, and so that the cacao seed then is roasted, shelled, and ground, and that's where you can make a drink. And in, in ancient Central America, um, people didn't really make chocolate bars in the way that we're used to having. They usually drunk their cacao just because take a chocolate bar to Belize. It'll melt by the time you get off the plane, right? It's really hot down there. So um, a solid chocolate does, just doesn't really have the same practicality in the same way. And so people are used to drinking their chocolate. Um, and typically, um, you know, it, it, it is bitter. It's bitter straight off the tree. Um, but what, what their cultures did is that they added spice to it and the spice kind of masked the bitter and made it very palatable. So that's where you get like a spicy drinking chocolate from, uh, Europeans were the folks who started dumping huge amounts of sugar into it. Um, and also not really doing it as a drink, um, but going down the direction of chocolate bars and, and mass manufacture that way. So that's, that's kind of the quick journey through the history of cacao. Um, and how it went even from a tree to becoming a chocolate bar, chocolate drink. Um, and, you know, in what we're seeing now is, you know, I like to eat my chips of cacao. I definitely enjoy it in its solid form, but I prefer drinking it. There's something about the, the ritual of a drink, the decadence of a drink. I can consume a lot more cacao that way as well. Um, 
I'm just more inclined to like drink a whole cup of chocolate than I am to eat a whole bar of cacao, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of how cacao has come along in its form. And I think more and more people are getting excited about drinking it. Um, you know, people are looking for substitutes to coffee, um, looking for sustainable stimulants. We all need it. We all need a little bit of stimulus. Actually, that brings us back full circle to what I forgot that I was going to say. As you were talking about how it decreases stagnation, that's my favorite is, well, as you can tell, a lot of things are my favorite, but to decrease stagnation in the body because I'm an embodiment practitioner. So as we open ourselves, we open up our life force and source energy. So cacao is a direct hit to that, but I also take it one step further. And I always put some cayenne pepper in there because mm. that has some of the same benefits, especially as a vasodilator. And I just love that we can take all of our witchy, I call them witchy spices, but they're just spices, but we, you know what I mean? We can take it and we can enhance it in different ways. We can work with our blood sugar. Like it's, this is what a superfood I, we grew up not even understanding what superfood meant because everything was so stripped down. So now as we're like coming back to the farm to table movement and understanding the origins of our food, that's where we're understanding the health benefits of the superfoods and of the whole foods. Yep. That's right. And that's, you know, cacao as a whole food is crucially different than something like cacao powder, which is what the traditional hot chocolate is made of. Um, cacao powder. So you would think that you take a roasted cacao bean, you get rid of the shell and you grind it up and you'd have cacao powder, right? That's actually not true. So when you grind that cacao bean, it's more than 50% cacao butter, which is a healthy fat that melts at body temperature. So you grind that cacao bean and you're actually going straight into a, a goopy chocolate paste. Um, and if you keep grinding that, it'll become completely smooth, fine, hundred percent chocolate. You never have to go to cacao powder. It, it never becomes dry basically because of that fat. Um, and that fat is actually a crucial part of the superfood aspect of cacao because it's, if you've ever heard of a, like a carrier medium, right? You, you need, if you, if you have a superfood, you also need the way to carry it into your body effectively. And a lot of that is fat based. Um, and so having the cacao butter in there in the ratio that it came off of the plant from that's already perfectly designed to interact with our bodies like why separate it out at all like it's just best to leave it all together there's your 100 percent cacao you got the fat you got all the super properties and it's so good for you so yeah that's i i call it the cacao powder a lot you know it, it's like people think cacao powder is, is all this and it's marketed for all the superfood benefits but it's missing the carrier mechanism and sure, you could cook cacao powder in some fat, but it's not the same. It, once, once you have real whole bean cacao like this. And part of the reason why that ratio is so perfect is because cacao has actually co-evolved with humans over this really long time that I was telling you about in history. And actually the cacao pod, it doesn't fall off the tree on its own. So um, it'll actually shrivel up and rot if it's not harvested by humans or monkeys. So it, it actually depends on primates to propagate its seeds um, throughout the ecosystem. And so it, it's really, you can really see the kind of two-way interdependence that's going on here with the cacao tree. Um, it, it really wants to work with us. Oh, my goddess. You are speaking my language because Mother Earth is here in divine form to help us. And we're the ones that have been manipulating her for centuries and eons. And, you know, our health has in so many ways, spiritual, emotional, physical, has 
completely tanked because of that. So I just love that you're bringing that back to show how the way that she comes in, she's there to help us in a holistic manner. And also I take phosphatidylcholine every day because I know once you start to understand a fat is good for you because your cell walls need that to take in the nutrients. It's like, okay, give me the fat, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. I am looking at the time. I knew that I had so much to talk to you about, but we absolutely have to get into ceremony and ritual. You touched on it a little bit before, and I feel like this is such a good deep dive, even though it's going to be a short lived one. Um, but you know, that was part of the connection because I saw your cacao ceremonies and I do cacao gatherings. And I feel like I really veered away from the word ceremony because I didn't want to be a part of exploitation or anything like that. Like that's where that kind of fear gets sets into ourselves. Um, but I also want to celebrate ceremony and ritual. So I love that you're talking about that and starting the conversation. So let's just dive in from there about what it can do for us and how you feel about ceremony. Yeah. And I actually picked up, you actually said the word ceremony and ritual. And I, I actually love using the word ritual. Um, nobody's really I, I haven't seen anybody define it this way I just kind of have gravitated to this definition on my own where you know what's a ritual a ritual is something that you're doing on a regular basis it could be anything brushing your teeth can be a ritual right and so when I'm just drinking cacao on my own on a regular basis I think of it as a cacao ritual it's it's something that I'm coming to on a regular basis because I believe it has certain positive outcomes in my life right by contrast, a ceremony, I tend to think of as a gathering of people. It could be just a couple of people. It could be a big group of 50 or 100 people. It's something where that ritual that you would do on your own is amplified by the collective consciousness. So it, it augments what's possible beyond your own ritual, which can still be really, really powerful because it's being shared in a collective. Um, and so that that to me captures more accurately what ceremony is um and a lot of people part of my thesis for for kind of starting to share cacao in the way that i do now is that a lot of people were having opening experiences with cacao ceremonies where somebody was like hey come on there's this facilitator in town let's go experience a cacao ceremony and they're like oh my god that's amazing how do i connect with cacao more and there wasn't really much opportunity for people to do that and I, I thought it was crucially important that people take the experience of cacao ceremony home and develop their own cacao rituals where they can regularly connect with cacao because like any relationship, frequency is crucial, right? The more you show up, the more familiar you become with it. It doesn't matter what I tell you about cacao, like you'll become the strongest authority on cacao by having your own personal connection with it and coming to it with your own questions and just building that practice over time. So I actually see cacao ritual as like the crucially important link that that really amplifies like how well people are able to integrate the kind of experiences that they're having in cacao ceremony and bring it into the day-to-day reality where, you know, you wake up inspired or you come home inspired from a ceremony, but how do you carry that forth into the world and like actually amplify and actualize the dreams that you're carrying inside of you and, and want to see manifest? So um I, yeah, I, th- I see ritual and ceremony as, as kind of being linked in this, in this really beautiful way. Um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of sensitivity around the word ceremony, I would say to a lesser degree ritual, but especially ceremony, um, because, you know, uh, indigenous peoples have, and their practices have been exploited relentlessly. Um, We've talked about that and just, you know, just the exploitation of their lands and their foods, um, but then also their culture. And that's, that's where, you know, people will get very, very defensive to protect the little that they still have. Um, and, you know, many of the cultures being oral traditions and, and being community traditions, um, a ceremony is a key piece of that. And so if you, if you kind of come in and start, you know, using ceremony or, or, or not really aware of that and, and the complicated history there, uh, you can very, very easily make yourself a target of, of claims of cultural appropriation. And even despite all the ways that we communicate around it and are really, really careful around it, we still get regularly trolled for cultural appropriation. And, you know, we engage people on on all the levels, share what we're doing. And typically people are just angry and don't even want to, don't even want to hear, don't even care. They're just like, whatever, you're white, you're, you're working in capitalism. And that's so unfortunately, there's not much we can do with a conversation at that point. Um, but I would argue that, you know, ceremony is actually a human birthright. Like it is a, a core aspect of being human. And a lot of the ills that we have in our society today is because we lack proper ceremonies and rites of passages for the different stages of life that we move in. We're not properly initiated, you could say. Um, and the indigenous cultures that we, we look to that have ceremonies, you know, which there's fortunately still a lot of, like they're showing us something that we as Westerners have largely lost in our culture, even though we've had that too, just you have to go back more than a few hundred years, probably a thousand years plus, you know, um, but we can all access that. I've actually done some really, really beautiful work in, in ceremonies with different plants to connect to those far back ancestors and inquire about those rituals and ceremonies that connect me to the land and that, that give me my personal authority uh, to be in ceremony and to to be in ritual to connect with land spirits, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it is pretty fundamental. It comes back down to offering gratitude, making offerings, paying respect. You know, not kind of stepping out of the the human centric worldview um, and and opening ourselves up to communication with spirits of all forms. And so, taking that back to cacao ceremony. Interestingly, you go to Guatemala, you go to Belize, you go to Colombia and ask, ask about cacao ceremony. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Cacao ceremony is actually a Western creation, which mm. most people are kind of shocked when I share this, but it's actually a Western phenomenon. It's, it's this combination of cacao, which is this very accessible, fun-loving, playful plant spirit, um, and our Western need for ceremony. Um, and so we've kind of created this ceremony experience of drinking cacao. It's heart opening, it's connective. Like you, you can very much be in a plant medicine ceremony with cacao, but it's not something that the indigenous peoples of the Central America really practice. Part of that has to do with ceremony to them as a way of life. Like they're walking around all day, tending the cacao farm, like getting their groceries, like talking to their neighbors, like the ceremony is built into all parts of their culture. So you go down there, you're looking for a cacao ceremony. It's kind of like, 
well, sure, we use cacao ceremonially, but like, do we sit and do a cacao? No, no, it's it's like they're they're like digging the hole to put a new stake in the ground for a house, and in goes a cacao, and then the stake goes in, you know, and 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 as they're pouring in the cacao, there's something happening internally that you have to be very very astute to even ask about, you know, or understand. Um, but that's linked back to their whole ancestry and how they view cacao and how that cacao was even made, you know, but, it, you know, that, that process, it could, to us, it happens in like 10 seconds. It's like, wait, where was the ceremony? But that connection, that ceremony is there because it's built into their whole culture. So that's, that's where the cultural exchange piece becomes really, really important was, is like understanding how the communities that we source from use cacao on their own. That doesn't mean that that's relevant to us. And I think that's a huge piece about cultural appropriation as well as we see another culture doing a ceremony. That doesn't mean we should do it in exactly the same way. That doesn't mean we'll be spiritual or, or have certain outcomes, you know, um, that is that ceremony is culturally relevant for those people for those times. That ceremony probably looks quite different than, you know, that ceremony did 500 years ago to the ancestors of those same people practicing that same ceremony. Now, like ceremonies are a cultural evolution. And so what matters is how do you create a meaningful ritual or meaningful ceremony for yourself, given your own cultural context and connection? And that's actually, and, and the cool thing is that that is what cacao ceremony is. Cacao ceremony comes from the Western need for ceremony. It's not, it's not a Mayan tradition or, you know, or, or a Zapotec or it's, um, and that's, that's where people go wrong. Sometimes they'll say, oh, come to this Mayan cacao ceremony. It's definitely not a Mayan cacao ceremony, you know? Um, so just getting, I, I think it's just a crucially important piece for facilitators to be aware of and for participants to be aware of is that we're not trying to replicate or recreate something ancient. We're actually trying to reconnect ourselves. Mm. And ceremony is such a powerful container to do that. Like absolutely get together in a big circle with the good group of people and drink some cacao because that will connect you to yourselves it'll connect you to the community it'll connect to spirit it will connect you to the earth and in all of these profound ways like it is one of the best tools that we have for doing that mm. but you know that's that's what the ceremony is and that's i think what we just need to be really clear on. yes can i get a hell yes <laughs> thank you for such a deep exchange about that that was wonderful to hear all of those words of wisdom and knowledge that you've, you've taken so much time. And as you were talking, like the words that kept coming up to me were like ceremony and ritual are heart centered. They're intentional. They're conscious. They're our creation energy. It's tapping back into the creators that we are, you know, and I think things can go really wrong when that starts to get exploited for profit and greed. And that's the capitalist culture that we're talking about being in that space of gratitude and remembrance through a conduit like cacao that is such a superfood for our soul that actually creates health as we're ingesting it. Yeah. I mean, you think about like, I feel like for me, like my ideal day is a day in which I'm extraordinarily connected. You know, like I wake up and I feel grateful for waking up and to be alive on this earth, you know, and I like walk it, walk into my kitchen I make breakfast and I know where the food comes from and it just brings me joy to like prepare that food and to put it in my mouth and to serve it to my loved ones you know and then I go work on something that I really believe in 
and like get a call from a good friend who knows me really well and ask me great questions. And I like revel in the trees and in the ecosystem as I'm walking home. And I like, I know what things are and I've like seen that bird before and like I have a relationship with that bird or whatever it is. Like it's just these layers and layers of connection. Like that's a fulfilling day to me. And I think that's so much of what we've lost is there's this all these microscopic opportunities for connection that for very degrees like that didn't get passed on to us as children like we don't we're, we're missing the role of elders you know we're missing mm. the stories like the story about that clay vessel and why this particular shape of the clay vessel is important you know it's like all those pieces of tradition like that's where that, that's where i see our work is as westerners to really reweave ourselves into this connected tapestry of life because when we're so connected to it how could we possibly harm it like how could we mm. possibly want to exploit and extract from it like it that to me when we successfully do that as a culture like that's how we protect the earth is because it's it's in our value system to be woven and to appreciate it and that's what a lot of you know a lot of indigenous cultures have that awareness and it's so woven into their way of doing things, which is why we look to them for guidance on, on how to care for the earth. Um, and I think ultimately it is a question of cultural design of like, how do we design our culture to steward the earth? Because if it, um, unless we have that kind of longevity across generations, inevitably we're gonna fall off the path again. For people like us, I mean, hello, welcome to my podcast. That's why I have gone through the painstaking process of making this happen because I believe so deeply in storytelling and experiential learning. It calls to my soul. So I guess what I'm saying is, do you feel like it's people like us that take it to a level of redesigning it, right? Because we're, I call myself a fear culture destroyer because I'm always working on dismantling this limited programming and this fear and comparison and lack. It goes so deep into our cells and subconscious. And so would you say that that's what we're doing is actually redesigning the culture as that gets dismantled? Yeah. Um, some folks I know, they call it cultural mentoring. Mm. And I was actually really resistant to that word at first until it all made sense to me. But I, I think it's a great example of, yeah, it, it, is, it is mentoring. It's somewhat confronting to consider, but our cultural, our cultural inheritance is pretty small. We don't have many of the traditions um, that grow us into healthy adults, which is why we have so many of the problems that we're creating. Like some of our leadership, you know, you could say we're being led by children that haven't been initiated properly. So yeah, do we need mentoring? Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's what traditionally the role of elders is in a culture is, is there mentoring? They're the keepers of the stories. And what do we do with our elders? We, we send them to nursing homes. We lock them away because we can't even confront the thought that we might get old and frail at some point, that youth isn't forever. You know, it's just like, you can see where our value system is. And, and it's, it's a very far off track from where it could be. Right. Look at the way a culture reveres birth and death. I have always had this fascination with the Viking culture. Granted, you know, there was a lot of violence in that culture, but they 
revered Valhalla, which was their afterlife so much that it made them really strong and impenetrable in real life because they looked forward to death. Imagine if we had a culture that taught us about how beautiful that cycle of coming in and coming out is and that we're eternal, you know, our souls continue on. And this is just the physical body and vessel that we're here in. Can you imagine? This is why I love death doulas. Mm-hmm. You know, holding that space of spirit as your spirit. I'm like, please, can I get like, <laughs> I feel like I have to line them up now because I want people holding hands and singing while my spirit transitions out of this body. I get a little like choked up even talking about it. Absolutely. So actually my portal into, well, and I'll, I'll say this first because you might be like, oh my goodness, where are my elders, right? It's like, well, you got cacao. Cacao is a many tens of millions of years old plant spirit. So that's that's one way that the plants can come in and they can kind of be our elders in, in the case that we're lacking elders. Um, but yeah, I actually came into my work with cacao after having experienced a very deep loss in my family. Um, and it really it shattered my world at the time I was 21 and was it hadn't you know, first, first close person in my life at that point that had died and really hadn't considered death, you know, hadn't really needed to confront that thought about that. But I was 21. Like, how had I gotten so far to the age of 21? So that by the time of death happened, I was just shattered and destroyed, you know, I was crumpled, I had no coping mechanisms whatsoever. Like it was, it was straight to talking to the psych- psychiatrist for me and, you know, having to make some radical lifestyle changes in order to properly grieve and such. And I was so resistant to it. Like, I just had no framework for, for what happens in that kind of loss. And that, that's actually part of the natural cycle of things and that we can prepare ourselves for it. And uh, I'm one of the most healing things was to, to be part of a program as a uh, regenerative um, permaculture and, and nature awareness skills program. Um, and the culture that we got to experience was weekly gatherings around the fire for several days. Um, and in that learning traditions, such as like building a sacred fire when somebody passes away. So mm-hmm. somebody who's close to that person who passes will build a fire um, and keep that fire going for, you know, anywhere, anywhere from 24 hours to multiple days on end. And then there's other people who will support that person holding the fire. There might be a rotation of people um, supporting that fire. And that fire is a space for people to come and share stories and to grieve um, and and to celebrate that person. And all of that feeds the spirit of the person who's moving on. And it kind of helps carry them over into the Valhalla or whatever other afterworld there is. Um, And and that's actually a crucial part. Like we need each other to do that process and it's it's simultaneously grieving and it's also celebrating and, and, and helping honor i want to say for anybody out there candles are perfect extensions of fire you know candles are such a way to invite our ancestors and our guides and angels to come in you know through that flame it's the conduit to that connection Um, We don't even need the conduit. Our cells are the conduit, but sometimes it's like having that out that external piece that we can move through. It's kind of like the faith piece or the symbology piece. I've always loved places of worship as long as people aren't in there. 
You know what I mean? Because I, I don't want to be taking on whatever their connection is. But when I'm in it, um, I was a kid and I used to go our church. There was a church in the village I lived in and it never had a locked door. And I would go in there at night and the candles would be burning. And I just felt it. I felt that magic and that connection before mm-hmm. humans came in to muck it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I was going to say that I'm, I just want to kind of give a little bit of my experience in the last few days and how when we get out of that programmed routine and we start engaging our creator energy or our creating energy wild things can happen. Like yesterday, I basically spent the whole day with you and cacao <laughs> and, and I engaged in this 10 day water meditation because I was feeling lack and scarcity a week ago. And I just invited a new ritual into my life to see what would happen after 10 days. And it's amazing. Uh, I've been dancing all morning, like the level that my spirit has shifted and become so present in my moment and days adding in the water and cacao and all of this like ancient ancestral talk and like absorption has been wild. I, it's, I I don't know how else to say it, but it's, it's kind of miraculous. It's magic. And it's who we really are at the source energy of ourselves. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like to think of miracles as like, uh, changes in perception, right. Where like a miracle is not possible by your previous model of how the world works, right? That's why it's a miracle. But that miracle can actually be part of your day-to-day waking reality. So when a miracle ha- happens, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, there's, there's this like shattering of like, oh my goodness, this could actually be my day-to-day reality. Like I could be living this way. And it's this process of like welcoming in what that means, you know, and, and choosing to live by that, such as that ritual you did with the water and, and just like feeding life in that way. Right. I've always told people we can produce miracles like we are made to do that. And we have been programmed for that to be shut down. It's in there. It's in ourselves. So it's really just opening up and being curious and fluid, being a new set of eyes and senses in the world to see where that takes you and how it goes. And when you're creating instead of defending That is where I feel like a lot of those miracles and shifts and like quantum leaps happen in our life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we need given, given the state of, I mean, I I, honestly, the last week has been pretty challenging for me because I've been just reading all the latest reports that are coming out from scientists and who are largely related to the IPCC, but there's a couple of independent bodies of scientists looking at climate change science and we're in a really bad place right now, like really bad. And we knew we were going to be here and here we are. And, and it's only looking worse, you know? And it's, it's just like, oh my God, You're like I can't believe that we actually let it get here and that we're still on track to be making it substantially worse. Like we really do need some major miracles to turn us around. And that's, that's when it comes down to like, I, that's why I want to be working with the account and, and be working with people to support shift in their consciousness that will allow basically our collective ceremony um, to, to spawn the miracles that we need. Because before this, I was working in, in solar and solar cell technology, and it was fascinating and I, I loved it. And, and, you know, I really believe in that technology, but I realized it wasn't a technological problem. It was about the systems and the humans mm. you know, and our relationships 
And so that's, that's what really compelled me to, to shift my career out of the technology side of things and, and still use technology to help us accomplish things, but really to, to look at the social dynamics and the cultural dynamics that are so much behind of what we're experiencing right now. Yes. And it takes people like you to be running businesses. It takes conscious thought leaders to be elevating these new earth businesses, but it also takes the knowledge that we support the small farms, the sustainability. I know I even read on your website, like be a little wary of fair trade. And that's something that I don't think is known on a big scale out there. And so people think that they're supporting exactly what we're talking about when they see fair trade, but they might not be. So it's really being so curious that you, you want to know the origins that you're like called to find out the origins and know exactly where the chain is and who you're supporting and the energy that's going through every transaction and interaction, including your body. I'm just so grateful that you made this, this leap, this change, this quantum shift in your life. I completely understand what happens when you go through immediate loss. I find that that's a place where you touch a part of life that we normally don't because it's pretty scary to go there, but it can crack that life open within you. And eventually really big shifts start to happen because you know, you have to be different, right? You know, that it's like a call to feel that in your humanness, in your human life, not just when you lose someone that you love so, so deeply. Yeah, I, I think there's an art to, there's an art to staying just connected enough to that grief and that loss so that you really appreciate being alive and, and, and like all the beautiful things that come with that. Because when you lose touch with that, that grieving process, then, you know, then it just becomes same old. So that's, and then you need another rude awakening to like really remind you and, and kind of, because we're in this constant cyclical you know, life, death, life, death, life, death, like it's constantly happening all around us. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of our modern comfort and privilege, like can set us back from that. Like we're not fighting against starvation on a regular basis. It's just not as visceral and tangible, uh, which is a huge blessing. But within that is, is that challenge of having to really stay connected. Um, mm. And yeah, I, I do really feel that like, you know, there, there is this whole, rising tide of, of new world businesses that have the regeneration of the earth and, and the, the longevity of all of life on earth um, at, at their core mission. Like I, I, you know, that's to me, sacred economics, sacred capitalism is like setting our collective purchasing power in motion to where it can actually generate life. Like, and there's such an abundance of possibility and opportunity there. Like there, I, I, I see that as, you know, having the opportunity to give everybody a good, meaningful job just because of how much restoration work there's needed on the planet and, and mentoring, and teaching work for the next generations. Like there, there's so many good jobs that if, if we like put the value systems behind them, like so much art that needs to be created, so much dancing that needs to be done. Like there's, there's just like so much momentum when, but it takes shifting out of these, you know, this, this, profit overall else system that has a lot of outcomes that really don't serve and that destroy. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's where entrepreneurship is exciting for me as 
is kind of setting that collective energy in motion behind a dream that we can all believe in. And that's, I don't know if you've come across the work from the Pachamama Alliance, um, but one of their core principles is that we're, we're dreaming the wrong dream. Like somewhere collectively, we're not dreaming big enough. We're dreaming this current reality that we're in into being. And if we can shift our dream states into this beautiful, healed, abundant world that we believe in, like that can happen. And it's, it's about collectively having, sharing that dream and that vision to get us there. Mm, yes. And that's where ceremony and gathering come in because yes. that energy that we emanate together becomes so powerful. It emanates out into the world. It emanates out into the universe. And no matter what, it raises the frequency. You know, if I want something to happen, if I tune into the news, I'm holding that person in a healing bubble of light, no matter how much I disagree with their politics or their beliefs or whatever they're doing. But I imagine they're them tapping into their humanity as I'm holding them in that bubble of light. That is our magic. And that is our birthright. And that's how we actually shift a collective in a quantum way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When there's few of us and, you know, more capitalism, us few have to get really powerful together in order to blast out that frequency of light because we don't have time not to. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing that I've seen with cacao is like, how do we make it inclusive? Because when I was first getting into cacao, I was like, okay, this is amazing. I love this plant, but the way it's being presented right now is like this hippie thing. And, and, you know, ceremony, especially like, wow, talk about a hippie thing. And it's becoming more and more popular these days, um, which is really cool to see. But there's, there's really like, how do we make this, this medicine of connection and of the heart accessible? And I've been really just excited to, to see that. I think some of our work is, is having that outcome. Like the number of walks of life that I see people coming to cacao from, like, you know, from truck drivers to impoverished communities to you know rich ceos like we've kind of seen all of it in our customer base and it's really cool to see how many people are just turning to this medicine um for the support that it gives because the cacao the cacao doesn't care how rich or poor you are you know or, right. or how privileged or not privileged you've been like mm -hmm. it's here to help <laughs> it needs every single one of us and that's i think one of the beautiful things about ceremony it's it's inclusivity and and that just like shared human experience where you strip away kind of the external status things and like very very quickly we're all facing the same problems we all have the same stories happening in our families have the same fundamental set of human emotions right it, it's that's where that point of connection is again Mm, the sacred interconnectedness of it all. I pulled that from one of your posts. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I can't wait for people to find out how to support you and to have this exchange and get your cacao. But first, let's go to the last question. So if you had a podcast, who would your dream guest be and why? I'm going to break the rule a little bit and answer this slightly differently because I realized that the single event that I look forward to the most every year is the Bioneers Conference. Um, this is a conference that's been happening for over two decades, maybe even three, um, to support environmental and indigenous activism. And the quality of the speakers there is like unlike any other single place where they're just all concentrated together 
and it's it's kind of been a core part of my experience for the last five years and it's online now so you can actually participate in the event online and just like get the download from all these amazing brilliant people um and one of the things that really makes pioneers stand out to me is how much they've elevated indigenous voices um, they have a whole separate indigenous programming um, tent that's just left up to only folks of indigenous origin to determine what they want to speak about. And they design their whole own program. And I always spend as much time as possible sitting and learning there just because the, the quality of the storytelling is epic and, and the wisdom that's there is, is amazing. And I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, I think the last year it was in person, over 50 indigenous nations attended there. Um, it might be over a hundred at this point. They do like a ton of work with like scholarships and everything to make sure that that happens. Um, so I just really wanted to plug them and, and recommend you look for inspiration there. Um, because some of my, like some of the most inspiring people I know, they all congregate around this. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I will absolutely have that in the show notes below. I could talk to you forever. Like, seriously, I'm so this is this conversation makes me giddy. There's so much more to dive into. But thank you for your epic share, because my cells are speaking. You know what I mean? I feel embodied and I feel really just joyful to get this conversation out forever in the airwaves. Tell everybody where they can find your company, your website, all of your musings and beautiful words that you share. Yeah, all of it. Sure. Uh, it is a uh ceremonial-cacao.com. Cacao is C-A-C-A-O. Right now, you can also just type in uh, Firefly Chocolate into Google, and it'll take you there quite quickly. On Actually, since you provided so much love for the website, we're actually about, to, we're updating the website. So in like two months, it's going to be this whole new experience to really amplify this message and carry it forward more. And I'm, I'm working on a lot of content for it right now. So this is really just fuel for that. So I'm very, very grateful for this conversation as well. It's just affirming and I'm having so much fun here. <laughs> Could also just keep talking. Yes. I can't even imagine the upgrade. <laughs> like seriously, I have never wanted to dive into a website so much in my life. And if I wasn't clear before, I just want to say you hold how many ceremonies a month? Um, we do once a week currently. Um, yeah, free global online ceremonies. Uh, we have rotating facilitators. We actually began doing that during the pandemic. And, and we're like, well, we need to just offer this to give people something and a way to connect. And I've never looked back. We're just like, we love that. That's just a regular process. Even when I'm not able to attend, like I can feel it happening every week, like Tuesday at 1 p.m. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's available to anybody to join in on, to, to tune into cacao ceremony. Right. It's, you know, I was like, I did not believe at first that you could have that experience digitally, but it really works. It's amazing. We've got some profound ceremonies on there, um, you know, just through Zoom. Absolutely. I mean, this is part of the new earth living through experiential learning. So I feel like the companies that are really dropping into this, solopreneurs and whoever's in entrepreneurship, are sharing 
knowledge. It's like we're sharing knowledge and then the people that have the money exchange will buy the products or the courses or whatever that they feel called and are able to, but yet we're sharing so much of that in like an open and beautiful, loving exchange, no matter what. Yeah. I mean, so I started off working with cacao in the form of chocolate bars. And I, my business like very nearly collapsed, like after a few years of trying to do chocolate bars and spending most of my time educating people, you know, and I wasn't even selling product. I was educating people like that was more the business that I was doing and, but competing against people where it was just like race the price race to the bottom, you know, like there's no room to tell the story of cacao on the back of a chocolate bar wrapper. Like how do you even begin? So I was really struggling with like, yeah, just like a mismatch of audience and storytelling vehicles and, and also value systems, you know, it's like 90% of chocolate bar companies, they don't even make their own chocolate. It's all contract manufactured. So, you know, just like, I was just kind of realizing I was in the completely the wrong ecosystem. And then ceremonial cacao was this just like a jump to like, oh, here's people who understand what I'm talking about. They actually want to learn. They want to connect. They're connecting with this plant in the same way that I do. That's that's where all of a sudden I found that resonance. And yeah, because it is. And and still, like, I, I think that's, that's a core aspect of it. Like, I want people to know as much about cacao as possible. I want our supply chain to just have that transparency so that when people are curious that they can ask all those questions and they can be met with thoughtful and intelligent answers, you know, and not like denial and hiding and things like that. And that, that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort to do things in the right way so that everybody's excited about it. And it takes a willingness to like get critical feedback, you know, and, and look at how we can do things even better because that's what hopefully this is. is It's just a jumping off platform for the next evolution of how we share medicines like the cow. Mm. I mean, I truly want to thank you from the bottom, deepest, beautiful place in my heart. (laughs) Can we get every business to like feel this, right? I mean, just thank you for sharing all of this today. I am feeling it very deeply in such a profound way. I hope more companies aspire to share that kind of connection with the earth, the planet, the universe, people, the ancestral knowledge. So good. So, so good. I don't want to keep you anymore. Thank you for staying over. I know you did. Jonas, this has been amazing. Absolutely. You're welcome, Lori. And thank you. This is, thanks for creating this platform and for, for having this wonderful conversation. I, I feel the tingling in myself and alive. And I'm actually sick. I'm, I'm like struggling with being a little sick. And this is like, making all that kind of not so relevant (laughs) and we're just like i am happy to be alive right this is our healing medicine yeah oh so much good okay yes thank you again y'all i'm gonna sign off i'm giddy i'm gonna go dance cheers cheers (laughs) and with that let's normalize the struggles celebrate the quirks and lean into the light. From myself and Beezus the Brave, happy wild heart revolution, friends. All right, so it's Jonas, Jonas Ketterly. Jonas Ketterle, uh-huh. Jonas Ketterle? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. I love that. Okay. Please welcome Jonas Kerala. Wait, I feel like I screwed that up. <laughs> yeah, you did pretty, you did pretty good. Kerala. Jonas Kerala. 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 Okay.